Hey, good morning, everyone. I really, really um, want to encourage you just to stay in the atmosphere of worship because the preaching of the word is just the continued ministry of the Holy Spirit, okay? When we preach from the scriptures um, and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, he is the one who will illuminate what he wants to say to your heart. He is the one that just through these words, you will encounter the living word that is the Spirit. The Scripture is the written word, um, but the Holy Spirit is, is the, the living word. And the two in partnership bring the wholeness of God to us. And so as you hear the word this morning, position your heart for encounter with the Holy Spirit because He is ministering to you and He is going to highlight specific things for you, for your mindsets, for your heart, for your life. <clears throat> So this morning, I'm preaching on forward motion, forward motion. And um, it feels that the Holy Spirit is already doing this in our community. There, there is a growing tide of his presence. And if you, he, he kept saying to me in the um, prayer meeting on Wednesday night, I'm making the stagnant places fresh. It's the same picture that Jackie had this morning of the river of God, like as it just increases those flood waters, it moves into places in our lives that maybe have been dry or stuck or stagnant. And suddenly the river is taking over. And suddenly the river is flooding, not just this moment, but through our lives and through our communities. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us, just get in the river and keep going in the forward motion of what I'm doing. I am getting you unstuck this morning. I believe there's a grace this morning for us to get unstuck in places that we may be stuck. And, you know, it's, it's easy to get stuck, and there's lots of different ways. Um, you, I was saying to Jane Fonsale, when you, when you prepare a preach, the Holy Spirit spends like a month making this real to you. So for the last month, I've been like, oh my word, I'm stuck here in my thinking mostly, or I'm stuck here in this pattern and routine, or like I need to outgrow this mindset because I'm holding myself back from moving with the Spirit. So there are places that we get stuck in our lives, and this the, the Holy Spirit wants to get us unstuck so that we can continue in participation and partnership with what he is doing. We can get stuck in disappointment. Things that didn't turn out the way we were hoping, feeling let down by God. We can get stuck in hurt and unforgiveness. We can get stuck in apathy Apathy is like a lack of interest, just like I, I don't have the energy, like I'm just good, you know, getting the enthusiasm or passion, uh, apathy. We can get stuck in financial challenge. We can get stuck in isolation. We can get stuck in old patterns of thinking. Old patterns of thinking are like well-worn parts in your head. And instead of partnering with the Spirit as He creates a new pathway of thinking, you're just like, it's too hard. I'm 
same, same track of thought. We can get stuck in old patterns of thinking. And we can get stuck in, com in comfort. Comfort with what we know, comfort with what we're okay with, like, oh, there's not been much for me. But the Holy Spirit, the river of the Spirit, is busting the banks. And it is good. It's glory to glory. It's goodness to goodness. And we don't want to just stay behind that wall. We actually want to allow him to move us forward. As I was preparing this word a couple of weeks ago, my mom had this picture for us as a community that we are created to journey with the Lord not like a tram. You know those trams in San Francisco where the, the, the tracks are set out and then the little car goes up and down the hill on the same track, like, oh, it's very stuck. It's going there and then it's coming back and it's going. That's not how we're meant to live our life. The Holy Spirit wants us to live like an off-road 4 by 4 vehicle learning to follow as he leads, learning trust and obedience, not thinking ourselves, mm, that's a bit much. Mm. Does anyone actually want that life? I know it feels safe and I know it feels comfortable and it's tempting to remain stuck, but it's not the best life. You were created to be a four-by-four four vehicle, off-road with the Spirit, following his voice, just like Jesus did. And I believe there's a grace and an invitation from the Holy Spirit this morning to get us back into the DNA that we were created to be. Okay, so we're going to go to the story of Gideon in the scriptures. And I know I've preached on Gideon before, but bear with me because he's my favorite. I love him. I see so much of myself in the story. So often, it's like a circle, like the Holy Spirit will bring me back um, to the story of Gideon. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you've got your phones, we're reading from Judges 6, verse 1. The Bible characters are so awesome because they are so flawed, just like us. And yet the Lord's story is unfolding in their lives. And so um, let's see what is happening with the Israelites here in Judges 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive, so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So let's zoom out. Let's look at what is happening in this community context from a community perspective. The nation of Israel is being ravaged by the Midianites. Okay, ravaged means completely damaged and destroyed. The Israelites would plant their, their, their seed, their crop, that's their financial, like that's their business, that's their, what that, that's their harvest. 
And the Midianites would wait, and like a swarm of locusts, they would come in, steal the seed, and leave them destitute over and over and over again. You know, we saw a swarm of locusts in December. We were driving through the Karoo. It was terrifying. It looked like a mist. Like a, we were like, is that fog? Swarm of locusts that came in. And for me, this is such a beautiful picture, like a metaphor for a cycle of trauma. And many of you may think, oh my word, yes. I've been in like a cycle of trauma the, couple, the last couple of years where it's not one like, oh, you plant the seed and then it gets stolen, but you know, the next harvest has been good. It's been again and again and again. This thing, then I take one step forward oh, and then it's something else and I take two steps back and it's, it's the swarm of locusts that comes um, like the Midianites did and just ravages the landscape of your life. The enemy loves to keep us in a cycle of trauma, friends, a cycle of trauma because it chips away at our God-given identity. It chips away at our authority, our confidence, and our resilience to bounce back. But the Spirit wants to remind us today that the kingdom of God is advancing. There is more going on here than the cycle of trauma that you may have known. And the Spirit wants us to get unstuck. That's not who you are. That's not what He's doing. Let's get unstuck because He is on the move. And He wants us to partner with what He is doing. He wants to remind you this morning of who you are and of who He is to you. So like the swarm of locusts, this image, the Midianites come and they destroy this community in this region. And what happens to the community? They are left in caves. They run to find hiding places to try and survive. That's what's happening in the community. They're just like, we have to survive. And I think that that's something of what has happened in the last couple of years to to the world community and to the church where these cycles of trauma have left us in this position. It's not necessarily that you're actually hiding in your house, but you're like in the survival mode position. It's a mindset. It's been COVID. It's been economic challenges. It's been load shedding, petrol prices, the war. Like it is an unstable global picture. And it has left us physically sick. It's left us emotionally ravaged, just exhausted. Do you know how often I hear, I'm just exhausted, overwhelmed, um, battling uh, panic and anxiety and depression. And it's like the stuff, the swarm of locusts keeps coming and keeps coming and you're just trying to survive. But there's a bigger picture. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to get us to see and wants to get us to move towards this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had this clear picture of myself bound up in caution tape, you know, the red and white caution tape. And the Holy Spirit was like, survival mode has made you so cautious. I can't. It's too much. It's too scary. We can't. We did. And he was cutting the caution tape. Just let him reveal to you this morning, perhaps, where you are stuck. Because this is not, this shrinking, withdrawing, protecting 
is like a holding on to the little that we have. It's a positional mindset. And the Lord is like, I'm, I'm taking that stagnant place and I'm bringing the freshness of my spirit. So now let's zoom in. So that's the community perspective, okay? Let's now zoom in in the individual perspective and actually look at what's happening with Gideon, our friend Gideon. Now, this is the man that the Spirit will anoint and partner with to bring God's plans and purposes to the nation of Israel. Do you know that you, the Spirit has filled you to, to, to partner with God in His plans and purposes for this planet? So let's see, maybe you can relate to where Gideon is, and we're going to verse 11. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with me, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turns to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Okay, so Gideon is hiding in a wine press. A wine press is like a circular pit where you press grapes, and then there's a little pipe where the, the wine comes out. But he's not making wine. He's taken the little bit of wheat that he's been able to harvest, that he's been able to scavenge, and he is hiding in the wine press. This is an important detail in the scriptures, friends, because it gives us insight into his mindset. You see, the Israelites would have gone to the threshing floor in order to prepare the wheat to use it. The threshing floor is like this big open rock in the center of the village where everyone brings their wheat. And then with the aid of the wind, they're able to separate the kernel that they grind for bread from the chaff, which is like the um, little remnants that blow away in the wind. But of course, if Gideon took his wheat to the threshing floor, the enemy would come in and steal it and take it away. And so instead of going to where he should be, he's hiding in the wine press with the little that he has that is the picture of survival mode. It's a mindset. It's a positional stance. And I want you to think, Holy Spirit, where am I hiding with the little I have just trying to survive? And here, the Holy Spirit comes into this place. Now, friends, you and I can feel like we have so little in our hands. Maybe low energy, low vision, low passion, low money. It's survival mode. But the Lord is saying, no, no, you are created to be a generous people. You are created to open your lives with the fullness of my spirit and to give and to live not surviving, but thriving in the resources of heaven. And you know what the interesting thing is? Is we think 
we have so little. But the economy of heaven comes from the story of the little boy with the two fish and the three loaves. He had his lunchbox. And he took it to Jesus. And he was like, can you use this? And there are 5,000 people that need to be fed. Like, that's the problem. And this is the solution. And the Lord is like, cool, I'm going to use that. So the little that you have, we bring to the Spirit. And do you know the amazing thing about that story is as Jesus takes the fish and the loaves, he doesn't multiply them, fill 12 baskets and get them to go out and feed the multitudes. As he's breaking, the miracle happens and the multiplication happens. And it's like, oh, this family's fed, this family's fed, this family's fed from the lunchbox. Friends, the Spirit is calling us to live the generous lives of sons and daughters with the little that we have, even when we can't see the multiplication. Because in the giving of the meal or the inviting of someone or the prayer or the financial gift, whatever it is, the Spirit is asking you, how does He want you to live generously? In the breaking, the multiplication happens. You don't get it in advance. It's in participation with the life of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord meets him there, Gideon, in his mess, in his chaos, in his circumstances. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. I want to remind you today that your circumstances have not defined you. Whatever you have gone through in the last years, relational brokenness, financial difficulty, whatever it is that has happened, that doesn't define you. The voice of the Lord defines you. You, my son, my daughter, the one that I am delighted in, mighty warrior, mighty leader, carrier of revival for your family, carrier of the Spirit for this nation. The Holy Spirit wants to remind you He is with you and remind you of who you are. Let me tell you what trial and challenge reveal to us from the story. The gift of trial and challenge reveal, number one, what we believe about God, and number two, what we, reveal, what we believe about ourselves. Everything that you do in your life, every decision that you make, the way that you behave, the way that you structure your life is completely based in what you believe about God, whether you know it or not. And challenge reveals that. It's the gift of challenge that reveals that. And I love this because Gideon, the first thing Gideon says to the Lord is, but, you know, if you are who you are, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that I was told that you do? It's like, I have heard that you are way maker, you know, miracle worker, promise keeper, but I, I'm abandoned. Where are you? Isn't that so interesting? And friends, that's where we can get stuck, is that actually we're cynical, we're disappointed, we're angry, and it's like, I, I, I know that that's true about you, God, like you are God of the miraculous, you are good every day, but that's not how I know you, and you're stuck, and offended, 
And there's this beautiful moment right now in the Holy Spirit where you get to exchange your offense and your disappointment for the truth. Because James 1 tells us, there is no shadow in the Father. He is the perfect Father and every good and perfect gift comes from Him. There's no shadow, there's no darkness in Him. The trial, the temptation, the challenge, it's not Him. He is perfect goodness. Those things reveal what we really believe about Him. And so it's beautiful to get honest like Gideon there and be like, Lord, I actually feel abandoned. And allow the Spirit to weed that out because you're going to get stuck there. You're going to build your life around there. And you're going to see later in the story that the very thing that, that Gideon said, you never came through for us here. That's how the Lord comes through for him at the end of the story. So where you think, God, you've never come through for us here, He's saying to you, I'm going to, but do you believe that I am? Because if you're going to stay on cynical, bitter, and disappointed, you're going to not see that glorious victory at the end of the story. Okay, friends, we need to be so rooted in the goodness and the nature of God that we're able to trust Him in the process, that the the situation will overwhelm us if we're not consumed by God. And I believe that's, that's one of the biggest things that he's shifting in the body of Christ, to not live by, I know about him. I know he's good. I know he's miracle worker, God of the impossible. But in your heart, that's not where you're rooted. The biggest shift happening right now is that we get rooted in the nature of God, that the circumstances that come, like we can trust the process because we are so rooted in who God is. And I think this is what's so important right now is we're giving ourselves to thanksgiving and rejoicing. We're giving ourselves to moments of encounter, like on Wednesday night's prayer, like extended times of encounter with God. Why? Because that encounter is like, it's not just for that moment. You, you cannot even begin to understand what that encounter is meant to birth something in you that completely changes the way that you live, the way that you do things. It's like, it's so beautiful to look across the room and be like, oh my goodness, the Spirit's moving there. That encounter is meant to completely transform you. It's actually the birthing of what God wants to do in and through you. And so in this time, we're like, we're giving ourselves to encounter with God so that we can get rooted, rooted in who He is rooted in following the presence of God. Okay, the second thing that challenge reveals is what we believe about ourselves. The Holy Spirit wants to remind you of who you are. Look at Gideon's response. He says, how can I do what you're asking me? It's like you look at this impossible situation globally and you're like, God, me, like how can I be the solution? He says, he essentially says like, My family is a family of nobodies, and I'm the very least in the family of nobodies. And I'm putting this on your doorstep, friends, because you're going to be like, oh, but Robin Kersey can do it. You know, they like, you know, they like leaders, or, or Bill Johnson can do it, or whatever your person is. No, you have a partnership with the Holy Spirit. You have plans and purposes that are on the Father's heart to bring in and through your life in partnership with Him. And you may think, I'm just a nobody. But look at at the Lord's comeback. I am with you. I am with you. 
You see, friends, we are a new, new, new creation. When you receive the gift of salvation uh, by faith, it, by faith, through faith, by grace, the gift of salvation, you were born again a brand new person, a brand new spirit being. In the Old Testament, even in Gideon's time, the Holy Spirit was amongst the people and on the people, but never in the people. Because of salvation, we carry the very presence of the living God within us. He speaks to us. We hear his voice. We are guided by him. We are empowered by him. We are seated with him in heavenly places as he is within us. And it's so easy to just let the circumstances water that down. We are a race of people that have never been seen before on this planet. But from Jesus' death burial and resurrection. And now we have become this priesthood, sons and daughters and circumstances of this world water it down. You're just, you know, you're just. He is with you. He is in you. You are to be hope carriers. You are to be revival bringers, peace carriers. Do you know that heaven and earth collide in you? You carry the kingdom of heaven within you. Like, it may not make sense in your circumstances, but that is the truth. And so in this moment, Gideon's like, it can't be me. I'm a nobody in a nobody family. And the Holy Spirit is like, no, I am with you. I am with you. And this morning, he wants to remind you of who you are. You see, our not good enough, our excuses, I'm not good enough, I'm not good at anything. I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm not, mature. I'm, I'm not there yet. You know, I haven't got my stuff sorted. I haven't got my ducks in a row. Your excuses are met in the cross because he's like, well, yeah, it's true. In the whole history of mankind, no one was good enough. That's why Jesus rolled up his sleeves, came into our mess, died so that we could be included in his death, his burial, and his resurrection so that we can be filled with his spirit so that the God of I am more than enough can live in you. That changes everything. That changes everything. The battle strategy for this life that we live is not I can do it. I can do it. It's he is with us. And the more we learn that dependence, that full surrender, we are practicing that as a community. We get it wrong. Why? Because the Western mindset that we grow up in is the self-made man and woman. You taught from this high, and that's the paradigm. Me, I can do it. And God's like, no, we I am with you, and you will knock your head against that wall time and time again. So let's allow the Spirit. There's an invitation this morning to swap that mindset out. Our victory song is, He is with me. And of course, the Lord's response to Gideon is activation. So he's like, I will be with you. So get up in the strength that you have and go. It is a time right now to get up and go. And do something and just get out of that hiding mode. Um, say yes to the spirit where you haven't said yes before. Show up where it's uncomfortable. That river that's breaking the banks of what's comfortable. Yanni was praying out on, on Wednesday. He said in the prayer meeting, he's like, revival looks like God busting out of the boxes that we put him in. 
the boxes of our time, the boxes of how we do this, how long we do this, this is how it rolls, boom. Say yes to the Spirit. Get up and get active. He's just like, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. It's time for forward motion, friends. The, the Passion Translation in Hebrews 12, you know Hebrews 12 says, throw off everything that hinders and so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race that is marked out in front of you as you set your eyes on Jesus. And Hebrews, that, that same Hebrews 12 in the Passion says, let go of every wound that has pierced you. Ha! Oh, that's stuff that's hurt. Let go. Let go. Let the Spirit in this moment today, let it, Him heal you. Let Him free you so that we're able to run life's marathon with passion and determination as we look away from the natural realm and we focus our eyes on Jesus. I want to quickly skip ahead to the end of the story. There's so much in the story of the fleeces, but I'm not getting into that today. I'm going to finish up in Judges 7. So after this interaction, after this encounter with the Lord, Gideon is, he gets it. He's like, oh my word, the Lord is going to save Israel from the Midianites, and it's me. He gets pumped, and he gathers an army of men. He gathers 32,000 Israelites, and he's like, Woo! Okay, Lord, we are ready to do what you've called us to do. Let's read what the Lord says to Gideon. Uh, Judges 7 verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. <laughs> Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. And down to verse 7. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Can I just break it to you? The strategy is not our best effort. The strategy is not our might, our power, our rah-rah. We can do this. No. The strategy is dependence. And it's painful because we love to rally our strength. We're going to do it for Jesus. <laughs> no, we are not. We are going to partner with the Spirit, and He is going to do it for Jesus. As we yield our lives in partnership, He is going to heal. He is going to set free. He is going to bring transformation. And yes, He's going to use us our hands, our feet, our lives, our community. But we are learning collective church. We are learning dependence. There is a fruitfulness he wants for our lives. There is a favor he wants us to exhibit to the world. But he doesn't want the fruit of your labor. He wants the fruit of the spirit. Does that mean work? Yes. Does that mean 
putting yourself, your energy, your passion, of course, because um, Matthew 11 says, learn to walk with me and work with me. But we're doing it by his power and partnership with him. Bill Johnson says, there's a great difference in the way Jesus did ministry and the way it's typically done today. He was completely dependent on what the Father was doing and saying. He followed the Holy Spirit's leading, even when it seemed unreasonable, which it often did. When our focus is not on the presence of God, we end up doing the best we can for God. Our intentions may be noble, but they are powerless in effect. And that is why you will see us as a leadership team. We are absolutely intentional about putting the presence of God at the very center of this community. And maybe we don't even always do it perfectly, but that is what we will do because we are learning. We are practicing how to lead, how to build community, how to live every part of our lives, the way we run business, the way we parent our children, every part from his presence, from hearing his voice, guiding, leading, encouraging, empowering, just like Jesus did. We are practicing. That's what we're practicing, friends. We're learning together to do this like Jesus did. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful journey. It is actually the best adventure. It is the four by four adventure. It is the four by four adventure that we were created to live. And we are encouraging each other in this community. Don't settle for the train track. It's not what we're going to do. We're going to follow. It's going to be messy. Maybe you don't know what's going on. It's okay. We're learning. He is trustworthy. He is good. And we are learning trust and obedience. So in the Gideon story, he learns to listen and to obey. And the amazing thing, they go into battle. And the, it says in the word, like, the army looks like locusts across the valley. The camels are so many that you, you can't count them. They're like the sand on the seashore. That's what the scripture says. Impossible, impossible. And he's got 300 buddies. And you know what's so beautiful is that in the scriptures, the Lord says to him, I know you're fearful. Are you fearful? He's like, I'm so scared. He says, go, and go Gideon, go and walk down into the enemy camp and listen to what the soldiers are saying. So, so Gideon goes down and he listens. And one of the enemy soldiers has had a dream that there's this loaf of barley that rolls into the camp and breaks down the whole camp. And he says, I think it's, I think it's Gideon and his army. And the spirit just like, there's this confidence that rises. I love it because the Lord knows we get fearful and doubtful. He's like, don't, don't listen now. Listen to the spirit. Listen to what the spirit's revealing. The 300 men go, they blow a trumpet, they break a jar. That was the strategy. And the enemy fights itself. There was no way that 32,000 men was going to defeat that enemy. It had to be supernatural. So the 300 men don't even engage, and the enemy destroys itself, and they go in and take the plunder. The strategy is like beyond what, that's what Jackie was saying. Like, this is an atmosphere where we, like our imaginations in this encounter with the Lord, we have to actually like dream and trust because that scenario was never going to be one of his battle strategies. That was only what the Spirit could do. 
Does that make sense? Like, that's where we're going. We're going into impossible. It's like, this is totally impossible. But He's God of the impossible. He's the giver of the miracle. He wants us to partner with Him in a way that is going to take us encountering the presence of God so that we can even begin to, like, ponder what it is that is beyond what we could ask, dream, or imagine. Right? That's what this bank is. This is that's what this river is doing. And so I just feel like there is a tenderness in the spirit this morning for us to lean into what he wants to do, that dependence, that saying yes. Pete, can you come up quickly? That saying yes to the adventure that he's calling us on. It's like a, a recommitment to that dependence. And as we do that this morning, can we just stand together? I want us to to allow the Holy Spirit to take the baggage that we've carried from the previous season. So Holy Spirit, as you have just been ministering to us this morning, there is this beautiful invitation for us to respond to your presence in this space and to just let go of the baggage of the previous season, God. The things that weigh us down, the sin, maybe the doubt or the patterns or the stuff that so easily entangles us, the wounds of hurt, unforgiveness, disappointment that have hurt us in the previous season. God, we want to come out of hiding this morning. We want to come out of survival mode wherever we're still protecting ourselves, wherever we're still cautious. And we want to, with reckless abandon, fall into the arms of Jesus knowing that you are fully trustworthy. I thank you even now that where we have not trusted you, Father, where we have not trusted the goodness of your nature, that you would root that out this morning, that you would reestablish us in your faithfulness, in your goodness, in your kindness. Don't hold on, friends. Just allow him to take the baggage. Allow him to touch the wound. Allow him to pull out the weed of wrong thinking that has taken root. Allow him to take your hand and lift you out of hiding. Lift you out of survival mode. Let him speak to your heart. The little that you have is more than enough because I am with you. And as we lay down those things at the feet of Jesus today, Pete's going to sing the words of the Lord that are calling to us come. And I want us to respond with that new 
level of dependency, our full surrender to the Holy Spirit this morning. It's going to be wild. Eek. It's going to be off the beaten train track, up, down, up, down, up, down. Eek. It's going to be more than we could ask, dream, or imagine, which is a little scary, but it's going to be good. He's not tame, but he's good. So let him woo your heart this morning to full surrender. Jesus, we give you our yes. It's very scary to be a four by four vehicle, but God, it's the adventure we were created for. And as a community, as brothers and sisters, we say yes, Jesus. We say yes.